This episode of Lord of the Rigs is brought to you by FreightPath, the all-in-one TMS that makes it easy to grow your logistics business. So now it should be recording. Welcome to the show, Joey. How are you doing? Good, man. How about you? Um, could be better. Memorial Day holiday is never the nicest for business, right? No, not at all. But it also brings up memories. I spent about 10 years in the Marine Corps. So it's a little, a little rough sometimes. Yeah. Oh, that must be. Well, Memorial Day is definitely different for you than for me, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So... Now that you're, you're out of the Marine Corps now, and now you're into the transportation space, the oil right. space, and the software space all simultaneously. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> How but are you finding that? It's strange. So, you know, growing up in the business, I always seen how my family had done things. And now that mm-hmm. I've been there on my own for, for close to 20 years, I, I feel the pain. <laughs> so, <laughs> When you try to tell logistics folks, hey, your, your tire cost is too high or your fuel cost is too high or your trucks are too heavy or your, or your rigs are too heavy, and then you're trying to jump to another angle of going, hey, we might be able to help with some of your customers as well. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty unique, especially what I'm doing now. So it's basically taking 20 years and just putting everything into one company. Uh, it's fun. I, I love it. Yeah, no, like uh, definitely it's the same side over here. Because I know I'm like hella stubborn with how I do things. This is how I've always done things. Or I'm convinced yep. this is the best way. Yep. Somebody will come up to me and they'll say, Terry, you know, you could be doing better like this. I'll be like, nah, no, you don't know me. You don't know me. I figured out a process, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing is everything in the past, everybody's been hell bent on this is how I do this. This is how I do that. And, and that's, not the, that's not the way it is right now. Um, your folks that were you know, buying a national or had a national account with a tire company. And they're like, Oh, that's the best thing. Cause I get my steer tires at three forty. I get my drive tires at two fifty. I get my recap program. What? That's not the norm. And everything is, is flip flopped, you know? So there's deals to be made and there's contracts being made and there's, there's terms to be made. So what mm-hmm. we, you know, one of the things we're seeing is we go into a, I mean, it, hell, 60 to 90% of the trucking companies out there have less than 10, 15 trucks. Right. Yeah. So when you go in somewhere and you're like, hey, show me your cost in the past 90 days on your truck. And you might say they blown a turbo and they're spending three or four grand or or they had to stop at a truck stop and they overpaid on tires because they don't have the right stuff set up. And then the, the rates are just so low right now. And, and everybody's yeah. blaming brokers. Brokers are blaming trucking companies. And, and you know what? It's, it's all of us. It's not just one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you look at it and say, look, it is what it is. This is the way that the, the hand's been dealt. So we need to fine tune your operations. And surprisingly, some of these companies has been around for about 30, 40 years. Uh, there's a lot of low hanging fruit to go in there and fix some stuff for them. Um, the great yeah. thing is, is we do it for free to start with. We show our <laughs> well, that's work. an interesting model. The it thing is. is, I think it's surprising how much, I don't like to call it waste, but just inefficiency there is in the system. Like you were talking about it. I think it all goes back down to the fact that before you start talking to them, they don't really know what their costs are to begin with. They don't. They don't. And we, we have a run rate calculator that we run because we have two divisions of our company. Mm-hmm. One specifically for the oil and gas and the others for the logistics side. 
Mm-hmm. So the logistics side, we'll sit down with the CEO or CFO or somebody up in their company and we'll start going through the cost of like, hey, I, I don't know this. And, you know, that's that goes back to where, you know, you do things a certain way, right? So yeah. growing up, I was told that if you didn't know your cost, like if somebody showed up at one of our terminals and asked the terminal manager, what was your cost on your tires last week? What was your cost on your fuel? And they're like, oh, well, let me look at it, blah, blah, blah. If you didn't know that shit, <laughs> it was your butt, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's surprising to see that. But once we get into it, and, and a lot of these folks are like, oh, my God, you're selling me something. But when you tell them, hey, this is free, you know, this mm-hmm. is this is us finding a way that you can pay for your software program or, or pay for an upgrade or or pay to do this. And we're going to give you something that's going to pay for that. And then they usually, yeah. you know what I mean? No, that's really interesting. That's a really interesting way of looking at it. To be honest, I've never even I've never thought of that through sales. But that's the thing where if you go in with that con- like consulting mindset and say, hey, we're not, I'm not here to sell you something. I'm here to help you fix your problems and solve your problems and save money. And maybe like a little bit of it will be spent on software, right? Yeah, absolutely. If I, if I come to you and you're, you, know, you have 150 trucks and, and you want something from cradle to grave and I'm thinking in my head, man, this is going to cost somewhere but probably between 60 to 80 grand to get a program together. You know, there's monthly fees onto it. But we, we try to wipe everything out. We don't do reoccurring fees. We don't do this. We don't do that. But we sit down and say, look, I, I'm here because I'm one of you, right? And mm-hmm. that, I think that's been one of the big things is I'm going to sit down and show you on different cost savings of how to fix this, how to fix that. And the reason they understand that is either one, they know me because they used to be my customer. I was <laughs> um, But the big thing, too, is that having our network, we have supply, we have logistics, we have the software side, we have the vendor side, we have a mass network, right? Mm-hmm. So it benefits everybody to work with everybody. And that's, that's what we're trying to show is say, look, here's our group. We're not somebody that you're going to see once or talk to once. You're not going to see something again. We're in here. We're here to help you. And we, and we truly are. I mean, we've, I've seen the, the, what's happened even eight months before this coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, trucking companies just folding up because things weren't, weren't right. Um, you know, I had my truck company for two years and had one market that just seized it up and, you know, we were fine with it because we took care of things, but it's just amazing uh, what we're seeing right now, you know, no, it's crazy. The cost that people, they just think that is the cost. And I'm like, no, you got to get that out of your mind and and break it down. So, yeah, well, that's the cost side, right? Like just looking at like, I think everybody's so concerned right now about rates, rightfully so, rightfully so because obviously the revenue coming in, but not enough people are looking back at what they're spending, all the different places they're spending on and thinking, Hey, should we be spending that? Can we be reducing that? Is that the smartest way to be spending that money? Right? Yeah. And, and here's the thing is, is that, you know, I was a, a big advocate of it and my family always pushed me on this. If you don't like something, fix it. Yeah. Right. So if you don't like the, the broker costs, go become the broker. People mm-hmm. don't realize how much power they have, especially if they have assets, right? So if that's I, the part. That's the part. You just said it. Like, I don't know why every like slightly bigger, medium to large size carrier doesn't do that. Just start brokering stuff or start becoming a broker. Oh yeah, that's how I started off my career. When when <laughs> I had when I worked for a trucking company and, and I'm I'm sitting there going, Man, I'm getting a nickel for going to 150 miles on a load of gas. I'm like, this is BS. You know I mean? <laughs> and I'm getting yeah. a phone call at two o'clock in the morning with no allocation. And then I got to deal with the customer supply. And I got to deal with this. And I got to deal with that. I'm like, you know what? Guess what? I'm going to start selling fuel. So I went out and made the fuel deals. And then I figured out, well, 
I'm paying more than these other folks. The wholesalers are kicking my butt. Well, guess what? I'm going to the top. I'm going to the majors. You know, I'm mm-hmm. going to go talk to these folks. And, you know, I might be the small guy, but I'm going to come in there with a big mouth <laughs> and say, yeah. look, let's, let's do some stuff. And that's, you know, that, that's personally on my side and some of my friends that have done that. But that's what we tell trucking companies because I, I can't sit here and, you know, I, I'm, I'm not the, uh, the best thing I can say. I'm not the best uh, coach, coach person. <laughs> when somebody's sitting there just nah, 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 I don't know if that's the Marine in me or, or if that's the, the, uh, the trucking guy in me. But I say, look, fix it. Anything can be fixed. So if mm-hmm. you're a trucking company out in, you know, North Texas or South Texas, yeah. Florida, wherever you're at, and you're sitting there going, man, these brokers are just kicking my ass and this and that. Well, there's a reason why the broker's rates are down, right? So either yeah. some of them, yeah, are pocketing it and those shitheads need to go, excuse my language. But when you sit there and look at it and say, well, what's stopping you from going after that customer? Well, we, we have to have the brokers. Well, who says you have to have it? And same thing on the broker side. You know, yeah. You don't like the trucking companies because they're CSA school or they never deliver on time or they're not doing this. Go get your own daggum trucks. Put your money oh, where your mouth is. You know what I mean? And, and that's where, that's the way I've always been. So yeah, there, there's yeah. a few folks out there that are doing really great. You know, we had two companies during the coronavirus that actually turned a profit. Um, oh, wow. Turned a strong profit. <laughs> and, you know, those, those people are thinking outside the box. And I, hate, I know people hate hearing that. But you know what? That's really what this is. Um, oh, it totally is. No. No. So, but yeah, I, I enjoy what we're doing. I enjoy that we're doing a different concept. We're not just selling something. Um, we're giving our service. And, and, you know, we had a guy the other day with a fuel man card to get – I won't drop any names, but uh, not a fuel man, but a fuel card that got mm-hmm. popped for about $70,000 in fraud. And we were able to help them get stuff situated, but we were actually helping them get set up with another fuel card, right? And okay. we, we saved them about 13% on those fuel just right off the get-go and got his stuff resolved. And you know what? That was free. But with us, we know that if we're doing something that's going to help somebody, you know, it's going to come back eventually. Well, yeah, it's building that relationship and you can't be afraid to do it. I know a lot of people are like, oh, what if I do this for them and I never get it back? If you don't trust your customers, then they'll never trust you. And then there's no relationship to speak of, right? Well, it's like the old thing where where you went and tried to sell to 100 people, 10 people are going to listen, five people are going to get to that next step and two people are going to close, right? Oh, 100%. It's the same thing on a trust level with me is that I deal with everybody, every supply, every truck and you know, and I've got people that are like me and people that don't like me because I call their bluff. But for me, if I'm doing a hundred right things a day, I yeah. know, I know probably 20 of those are going to actually do something about it. Um, 10 of those are going to go, man, I, I like to do something else. And five of them are going to come back and say, Hey, can I get your help with this? And then they truly understand that there's going to be a cost into a business, but yeah. we, we prove our value. Right. Yeah. Doing. Oh, totally. And the thing is, well, one, you have to have like a great product and service. I'm sure you guys do. Obviously, I'm not a customer, but I trust you. Um, the other side of it is just really, you've got to, you've got to be okay with not winning everything. Like you said, Absolutely. 20% close would be fantastic. 5% close is still reasonable. And if you're just yep. calling people out of the blue, like 1% isn't bad even. And the thing is, you have to be okay with that. And you have to be mentally strong with that, right? Like you have to realize that, Hey, you know what I'm putting in, I know what I'm doing. I see the value in what I'm doing and I just need to communicate that with people. Right. Yeah. And it, it's been a little bit easier because people say, Oh, it doesn't work. We're doing cold calls. And you know what? You got to do your cold calls. Mm-hmm. But with us, being that our hands are in multiple different levels, we, we have, we had a vast network to start with. So that definitely helped. 
but that's why I'm trying to tell folks is it, it didn't happen overnight. You know, you got to you know, get out there and change people's mindset. You know, if you're, if you're cold calling somebody and saying, Hey, this is blah, blah, blah. And I've got this to sell. You know, they're going to hang out. Hell I hang up. Well, but that's not the point, right? right. Yeah. Like people, people think that the cold call is the sale, like the entire sale. Like you call them, they pick up, they pay. And it's like, Oh, that took two minutes. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Right. No, you got to show your value from day one. If you're saying, yeah. look, you don't know me from Adam and I researched your company and I understand that you've, you're, um, you know, you're selling, selling chemicals, right? Yeah. But I see you're a publicly traded company and I see your cost is this and I see this. And I, I know for a fact that I can save you at least five to 10% on this item and I'm gonna give it to you for free. Will you listen and just give it to them well, and they yeah. walk, taking care of them and walk away. It's going to have, it's going to be in their mind. They're like, man, this guy called me, didn't pitch me told me what a problem is, fix the problem. You know, I'm going to come back for more. And that's oh, really yeah. what sales is. That's what sales should be. Yeah. Well, you're, you're using your expertise there and giving it away for free. Well, not giving it away for free, but you're, you're providing it. Cause like when you start off on a cold call, I like to think you're already in the negative. Like nobody likes to be cold called to, nope. right? Like you pick up the phone, you're already slightly angry at the guy. Okay, fine. I'm going to answer this one. So you got to make up for that. You got to provide that exceptional value there however you do it, whether you're a trucking company, whether you're selling services, whether you're a broker, like you still got to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it's funny. I, I've done different things over the years. I've been <laughs> creative. Um, I've had folks that have, you know, back in the day that, that would hang up on me. And if mm-hmm. I think there was something there that I could save the money on, I usually would drive out or fly out next day or the next couple of days and just show up and say, Hey, I'm going to buy your time. So I, I think, you know, you're making a hundred grand a year. I'm gonna pay you $200 to have lunch with me. Well, you just listen to me. You know, there's oh, multiple, wow. different, multiple different things of, of trying to get in somebody's head. But the, the, the thing you're trying to prove is saying that you're not trying to solicit something, right? No. You're actually there to solve a problem. And that is all sales is, is to solve a problem. Yeah. And that goes back to the thing where if you can't find a problem to solve or if you're not solving a problem, don't try to sell, right? right. You're going to make yourself miserable. You're going to make your customer miserable, even if like they pay you. Nope. neither party is going to be happy in three, six months. Right. 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 Yeah. And I don't know, I don't think there's too many people out there thinking like you, like outside the box. There, there is the problem is, and this is one of my problems is I'm not very great on social media. I'm more <laughs> in your face kind of guy. Right. Yeah. Um, if I walk into a yard, I'm going to, you know, take an extra five minutes for a walk in and scan that whole yard to see where I can save my money onto it. Um, just to earn their trust. And I don't care if mm-hmm. I don't make money in the first six months with them, but I'm going to have them forever because they're going to trust me. And oh, yeah. the moment that trust is broken and you know, everything's over with. Um, so that's, there's a few of us out there like that. You know, Brady who owns oil command, he's, he's like that as well. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to get our face out there a little bit more. And, and I see it's kind of like throwing a dart at a dartboard, right? And you're like, yeah, you're the right audience. Am I going to do the right hashtags? Am I going to really get my message across? And I might be a little bit old school to where I like, you know, I'll take somebody fishing. I'll take them hunting. I'll take them, uh, you know, to a race just to, to, to talk to them, to get to understand them. Yeah. Uh, but it's all about giving that one thing to them and saying, look, I'm going to help you with this. And I, yeah. and you gotta be, you gotta believe in that problem that they have, right? You can't just sit there and say, Hey, I noticed on quarter three, you spend an extra 40% on tires or 40% on, on buying <laughs> and I know I can, I think I can solve that. No, no, that's BS. 
you need to go in there and say, look, this is the problem. This is how you're going to fix the problem. Do I have your attention yet? And look, there's going to be some folks that just say, you know, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with making what I'm making. You know, and I, and I tell folks all the time because they look at their operating cost per hour and they're like, well, I'm making $15 an hour profit. You know, go work at PetSmart. Go work at Winn-Dixie. <laughs> they're like no 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 i have 50 trucks so i'm making this i'm like if you're happy with 15 dollars an hour i don't care if it's one truck or 100 trucks then get out of this business you know it's mm-hmm. it's about about getting that operating cost down and trying to pr- improve as much property as you can it's not about gouging a market it's not about gouging a customer but it's about doing a fair value price the problem yeah. is is that you've got three things going in the ceo's heads right one is how do i reduce my costs Two is how do I increase my profit with my customer? And three is how do I keep my employees, right? Mm-hmm. There's really only one or two things that, that fixes all of that. And that's where we try to get these CEOs and, their, and these owners and these partners to get their mindset into is, is take all the fluff out, you know, yeah. and just drill down to the points. Well, um, I think that's, that's hard. That's hard. It, well, it is. It is. But it's, if you have a soundboard, it's usually not, right? So yeah. Say you're the CEO, right? And I come to you and I say, hey, I see that you're, you're paying this, you're doing this, you're doing this. Here's the, here's the mindset to do it. Here's what we need to do to fix this. Do I have your attention? And, if they, and I tell them at the end, look, this is not just a one and done. If you want to have more questions about it, let me be your problem solver, right? Mm-hmm. Don't sit, you've got all this other stuff to worry about. You know, let me fix this one particular problem. And then that usually goes from, it's like a daisy chain, goes from one to another, to another, to another. But again, there's some folks that just won't, listen whatsoever and yeah you know what it's it's there's there's only a couple of things that happen with the company the one you're bought out um or two you go under you know what i mean yeah. and who do you want to be categorized as so that's usually i get somebody's attention when I, when I tell them that um but yeah we're different definitely a different approach I, i'm more black and white i'm more mm-hmm. in somebody's face and saying look this is what has to be done uh, here's the truth sometimes the truth hurts um, sometimes the way you've been doing things is not going to work and we just got to spin that wheel. So anyways, I can ramble on and on about that. Oh no. I, but, I love but, that yeah, but it's the truth. And I think that old way of doing things is still so alive, especially on the bigger end of the spectrum, dealing with the bigger guys mm-hmm. where I feel like, like now compared to a year ago, we are way more active on social media. We're way yeah. more active online. But still, it all goes back down to the thing where nothing replaces like me getting in front of somebody, talking to somebody, showing them where their problems are. Like, hey, like ignore the software that you've been thinking about. What you're thinking about, you're not even looking at the right problem right now. What you're really looking at is like there's a glaring efficiency issue right here and you're not looking at it or fixing it. And your current solutions aren't actually going to fix that. This is how I'm going to fix that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, some folks just don't know how to relay it to their to their board members or to their partners. Mm-hmm. And we, we do that as well. Uh, numerous times, well, I'll say numerous, probably six to eight times in the past year, I've sat on yeah. the board, you know, and, and it's funny because the board is looking at the CEO going, fix this problem. Yeah. The CEO is looking at the board going, help me fix this problem. And that's usually the problem right there. You know? <laughs> it's communication across everything between like the employees and managers, between managers and like the CEO between the CEO and his board, it's all because like their motives aren't aligned. They don't know the same amounts of stuff. And everybody like, like I feel like the default for a lot of people is dependent on somebody else, right? Like, oh, it's not my problem. Yeah. You're the CEO. You're solving this, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's it, like, you know, and that that is the marine side of me a little bit. It's about adapt and overcome. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's take the situation and 
and dissecting it. And a lot of people feel the stress that they have to figure it out right then and there. You, you don't. You got to take the time to, to massage it and find out what the hell am I going to do here? If I do A, it's going to turn into B. How do I get to C? And damn it, I'm done with D. Let's, let's just figure it out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we're just that soundboard, you know, to come in. Yeah. So I love what we're doing a little bit different. Um, we, we've got some great folks on the fuel side, the chemical side, the overroad side. Um, we've got suppliers that we're dealing with right now. We've got some global companies that we're working mm-hmm. with and, uh, it's, that's a little bit unique for me because it's, I'm finding that these companies with billion dollars of revenue, um, there's not much of a difference compared to a trucking company that has two or three trucks. It's the same problems at the end of the day. Oh it's yeah. How, it's how do you resolve your, your cost? How do you improve, improve your profit and how do you keep your employees? That, that's it. Everything else falls into place. It really is. The only difference between talking to the guy who literally just started his, like his trucking business and talking with like nationwide global carriers even is their bureaucratic process, right? And it's knowing who to talk to, how to talk to them, how to reach them, what speaks to them, right? Like the same numbers that you use to talk to like the small, like the guy with three trucks is not the same type of language you use for the guy with 500, right? And that's something else that you have to adapt. And like, that's something I think like, that's your real strength. It's not the trucking knowledge, frankly, even though you have a ton of it, it's not any of that. It's your, um, it's how you're able to step into something and say, well, shit, it's not that I don't want, like I can see, you don't complain about things. You just move forward and change the way you do them. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I've, I've done it before where I've had, and I'm pretty cocky, I guess. (laughs) Trouble, Right. But I've had a company and I knew who their vendor was and they're like, Oh, we don't have a problem when we don't care about the cost and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, you just let go of two employees. You're not able to make it through the coronavirus. So it may, I I called the vendor and I said, Hey, do you understand this customers in this situation? They just, uh, furloughed two people and mm-hmm. they're paying too much because you are involved with four of their vendor sites. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we had no idea. And I said, Hey, how about this? Let me, let me give you some, a piece of advice and maybe you can keep this customer longer. Cause if not, this company is going to be bankrupt in a year. Yeah. And I think you are an impact of about 35%. And I said, I'm not trying to get rid of all your profit, but you know, you need to, you need to back off quite a bit. Had a talk for about two days. Next thing I know, he goes back to the CEO and I said, don't tell him I came to you. Just go fix it. So they go fix it. And the CEO kept pushing saying, well, why in the hell was I paying this for the past seven years, excuse me, eight years. And then he <laughs> said, well, Joey, you know, called us and basically called us a dumbass. Well, <laughs> <laughs> next thing I know we got the CEO, you know, working with us. So that's, I think that the point I'm saying this is that that's the difference, right? So with a smaller company, I can relate more because I've had my smaller companies, you know, obviously mm-hmm. Tampa, I've got a couple other ones, but the, the big thing is, is with these big boys, they, they hear everything on the phone. So take the phone out, show up, yeah. knock on the door, you know, say, Hey, what's going on? If you guys show up at the country club, which is awesome. I love those looks, but you show up at the country club or you show up at, you know, meeting somewhere, or you know that their favorite restaurant is on Wednesdays at noon, show the hell up, you know, yeah. and, and, and see what can get, be done. The worst thing they're going to tell you is to screw off. And then I got pretty, very rarely, very rarely do I see when you like you put in the care to provide value first, very rarely have I ever been told to like screw off. But if you ask for something before you give something, oh, like 80, 90, a hundred percent of the time. Right. It's only happened to me once or twice in the past 20 years. And 
you know, one of them was pretty nasty. Um, <laughs> funny thing was he was let go about three months later. So, and, uh, and I won't go down that road, but it's, it's how you present your stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it's how you handle the situation. And so many people are hell bent on, man, I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to lose this. I'm going to lose that. And for me, having my, my family and my friends, you know, that, mm-hmm. that's my financial wealth, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't care if I'm living in a, you know, 5,000 square foot house or I'm living in a single wide trailer in the middle of BFE. I really don't care. My thing is to provide that value because loyalty and trust in this industry comes first more than anything else. And if mm-hmm. it comes back, it comes back. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But you're, you're building your network. And that's why these, some of these sales folks and, are saying, man, I just can't build a network. I've been on LinkedIn and, and I've done hashtags and I've done this and I've done that. I'm not getting anywhere. I'm like, well, did you show up? You know, did, yeah. you, did you solve a problem on, in the first five minutes of being on a phone call? It's all about, excuse me, it's all about research, right? Yeah. Don't call a company unless you know everything about that company. Um, I used to have a pet peeve that I had a customer down in Central Florida that uh, you know, we had salespeople that were trying, and this was back in, right when I got a Marine Corps in my younger days, but you know, they would go down there and try to pitch something every time. They're like, well, I showed up. I'm like, well, just because you showed up don't mean crap. <laughs> what did well, you yeah, do? No. You know, you're not uh, totally. Yeah. And, and learning about these folks. And I'm like, man, this guy loves a fish. You know what? Every time I drive by, I'm going to bring him fish. I bring him fish from six hours north all the way down south and come oh, by wow. and drop off fish. And I'm like, hey, man, you know, not trying to be a typical salesperson, but I just noticed your mud flaps out there on the back of your trailers are busted off. You know, DOT's doing a, a bust down on Wednesday. You know, you need to take a look at it. Or I go by and say, hey, your, your, your uh, steer tires are less than 430 seconds. You're going to get popped. And I would pick something every single time that I would go. And this mm-hmm. guy eventually said, you know what? He's got something. And hell, back then I was just selling fuel, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and then he said, well, man, if you know that much about the tires, tires and the equipment and DOT and safety and, and, and you brought us drivers in this for the past six months, let's hear your fuel side. And it was very easy because I, I knew who was selling on fuel. Got them a contract, got it done. And then you know, we had those drinkers for six years before they sold the company for a very high profit. Yeah. yeah well, that's, that's what it comes down to. That's what it comes down to. Building a relationship is not like, like if you think about it, like if you were talking, if you were at the bar, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go up to somebody and immediately ask, like, you wouldn't go to the close immediately. Would you, you wouldn't go up to somebody or like on a sale, you wouldn't go up to somebody and be like, Hey, will you buy this right now? No, of course they're not going to buy right there. Like that's, that's their hard earned money. They're not going to spend that. Right. Yeah. You've got yeah, to, and yeah, that, like, like, like here on LinkedIn, you know, I was trying to put stuff out there for a few months and, and see what kind of, what kind of hits I would get and, and hardly mm-hmm. nothing. Right. And, and I'm like, you know what, there, there's a lot to learn about this and maybe because I'm a little bit older that I'm not, you know, social media <laughs> greatness or whatever. But with oh, me, no. it, it's about, I'm learning how to take what I do in the field mm-hmm. and bring it into a social media standpoint. Um, yeah. The problem is, is getting, getting the right connections and the right folks out there to listen. Right. That's the hardest part. It's exactly the same as the, it's building a different kind of network, but it's having the right people there, no matter what type. And really it's true for whatever industry you're in Um, on the sales, on the marketing side, it's really figuring out who you need to connect to, who you need to be in touch with and how to get in touch with them, how to make their lives better, right? Because it doesn't help if like, it's like, hey, will you help me and make my situation better and help me sell my, like, my services? No. Mm-hmm. How are you going to help them 
How are you going to help promote their material? How can it work like symbiotically, right? Yeah. And, and, uh, and that, that's the other thing we teach some of these, these uh, the CEOs are saying, look, you might not need to fix the cost right now, but mm -hmm. if you see something that's a reoccurring cost every month, you know, there's things you can do on social media. You'd be amazed if I'm, if I've got 10 trucks and you know, here's a free piece of advice. I've got 10 trucks and I'm like, man, I am getting my butt ate up with tires. Mm -hmm. um, but I've called Michelin. I've called this national account. I've done this. I've done that. You go out and put on social media, hey, I need the best tire vendor there is. You will have 150 people on your damn private message. Yo, they yes, you will. Best. But the good thing is, is you go through those, you fine tune them, and then you finally have somebody, right? And you're telling them, hey, I'm not ready to make a move yet. Um, your cost is not that much different than what I'm doing. That person is going to keep going after you and after you and after you. And then finally, when they get down to that price, right, I'm like, hey, well, put your, uh, put your money where your mouth is and put it into a contract, and I'm ready to sign. You know, yeah. it's just it's little tactics like that, but you will be amazed on how much stuff you can reduce on your costs and get well, good like stuff. That. So that, that's the other side of it. Yeah. Well, it works exactly the same on the revenue side where straight up, I think the issue with a lot of carriers, especially because carriers, I find every time I've like the most common thing I've heard is, well, I have to go through a broker. I don't decide my own rates. Why? Why not? Right. Like, right. why not market directly to the shippers? Why not go directly to them? There's nothing stopping them. If anything, I feel like if I were a shipper, I would trust the guy who owns the truck more than the guy, more than, more than the broker, you know? Yeah. And that, that's something we hit on the head years ago was on the fuel side is we try to do satellite dispatch. And a lot of companies can't do that, right? Because mm -hmm. they, they're like, well, hell, I got to have a terminal manager. I got to have a shop. I got this. I got to have that. It took us about 10 years to get it right. And that's the company I was with, Pipeline, which we, we did quite well at it. Um, but that's what we're trying to teach folks now is get outside of your market. Not, not completely, but diversify your company. If you got 50 trucks, you know, put it somewhere in a contract that, hey, you know, it's paying the bills. We're not making much money onto this, but I'm going to really hit this other market mm -hmm. and do your research onto it. But the biggest issue right now is everybody's sitting on, and it has been, is sitting on their hands and going, God, I hope this turns around, right? Well, you know no, it's not going to turn around. Like why, why put like, why leave it to luck? Go ahead and do something with it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and if you, even if it's one truck at a time, or it's mm -hmm. one piece of your business at a time, change something around. Find different types of, of revenue to come here. Hell, we've got a guy that has got his own trucks, he, and, his, and in his whole past six months, he has gone and started up a cleaning company, a tank wash company. Mm -hmm. uh, he's taken uh, frack tanks and put it into an area and reselling fuel, and mm -hmm. he has just done so, so well. And he, and he got out of that mindset. He finally, you know, it was, it, was, it was fear was the biggest thing. And I'm saying, look, you can, take money and make money or you could take opportunities and make money mm -hmm. as well. Right. So take your network that you're already dealing with and saying, Hey, would it be beneficial if I did this? Ask your customers, if I did this service, you know, does this make sense for you? And do it. Yeah. Totally. You know, it, it might be something small to start with, but it turns into to bigger, bigger stuff. And, you know, one of the things I love is, is Warren Buffett. You know, I've read a yeah. lot of books and the mindset is no different from 50 years ago than it is now. It's about getting in there, finding the problem, solving the problem. And that's everything that we do every day in our life. And yeah. if people can just stay focused on that instead of all the fluff and all the stuff that's going on, all the, you know, Trump talk or all the uh, craziness that's going out there in the world and the coronavirus and you know, screw all that. Just focus on what the problem is, 
figure out a solution, solve the problem. No, exactly. And those problems change. I think that's the biggest thing. Like people do that once for themselves, right? They're like, Oh, I'm, I solved this problem really well. I have the solution that works. And then something like the coronavirus hits the entire world flips, your problem changes or disappears. It's don't give up. Don't keep on chasing like that problem that no longer exists. Reevaluate it, figure out what's going on and see where your advantage is with that. Right. Yeah. Cause I guarantee, I guarantee you have an advantage there. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is, too, is to make time for yourself. You mm-hmm. know, bust that clock from Sunday to Friday, but make a Saturday your family time. You know, even if it's only for a few hours, but make some yeah. time for yourself. If, you're, if you evaluate yourself and say, look, I've got six months of money on hand, and you know, I've, I've had to do it myself a couple of times over the years, just going, look, here's, here's where I'm at and here's where I want to be at. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give myself a timeline. And if I don't, you know, you know solve it in that timeline, you know, there's going to be a slash mark against myself, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, it's about training your brain. Right. So for me, I used to, and I still do, I love to fish. I absolutely love to fish. <laughs> but if I, if I tell myself, Hey, I got to get this fixed in a month. If I don't get a fix, you know, I'm not going fishing until it's fixed. <laughs> you know, it's about, it's about training your brain, um, yeah. but definitely take time for yourself. And that's one thing that we always follow up on a call and say, look, you know, I know you got this going on. You got that going on. You told me a little bit about your family or you told me a little bit about your hobbies. Go take a Saturday, take three or four hours, go do it. You will be amazed on how you're going to come back completely refreshed. So that's the other yeah. part is this as well as taking care of yourself mentally. I think, no, that's way more important than people think. I know like I have always been pretty awful at it, to be honest. Well, I think it's just like you get caught up in the work and you think that always, like usually it's you put in more work, the more reward you get right? Mm-hmm. But at a certain point, it's like, you need to take time for yourself. And I know, like, for me personally, some of my best ideas have come. For me, it's just like running on a Saturday. It's like, all of a sudden, it's like, Oh, now that I'm not thinking about this, now that it's not cl- now that it's not clogging up my brain, all of a sudden, I can think straight, I have no ideas, the stress is gone, I can focus on what I actually like to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And I, I not enough people do that. You're you're 100% right on that side. Yeah. And you know, again, it's, it's all about the problem. It's all about solving. It. It's about giving yourself time. And, and, you know, one of the things my great uncle used to say is that the last one to talk is the first one that's going to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, the biggest thing is just listening to your people, right? Listening to the customers. Um, you know, I, I tell folks that, that are laying off employees, unfortunately, and I'm saying, look, you, you need to talk to your people as well. Cause some of your best ideas comes from your employees. Mm-hmm. And then that's another part that we do as well is, is trying to get that, that mindset to where you're trying to make yourself feel comfortable and relaxed and, uh, and know that there's a solution. Well, your people need to be told that as well. Um, yeah. There's a ton of folks out there that are out of work. And, you know, even, even, though, even with those people, we're trying to explain to them, hey, go out and start something. You know, you know the business better than the owners do because you talk to these people every day. Um, yeah. But the biggest thing to see goes is to, to stay on these employees as well. Say, hey, everything's going to be okay. This is what we're doing. This is what the next step is. And, and keep everybody involved. And again, it's communication on all levels. Yeah. And it's transparency. I think that's really important. People don't realize it. Where people really appreciate being told like, hey, something's wrong right now. I'm going to do my best to make sure, thing, make sure things are okay. But this is what we're up against. This is what we're like up for. And then people... People don't shy away from that. People feel people feel like, hey, my CEO trusts me with this. You know, they're not trying to hide this from me. And all of a sudden, that level of transparency 
you'd think that it'll harm your company, but no, it, it strengthens your culture. And when it doesn't, usually you don't want those people as part of your company to begin with, right? Not at all. Yeah. And, you know, fear is the biggest thing. That's the biggest mm-hmm. thing. It's okay to have fear and sometimes it's okay to, to lose at something because it makes yeah. you stronger, right? Um, and, and sometimes we find companies that are just completely gone, right? There, there's <laughs> no saving that. Um, if you're a year behind on your debt, if you're this and your customer base is down 60%, then you know what? It's probably time to sell your assets off. But it doesn't mean you can't start over. Oh, yeah. Better and stronger. I've seen, hell, I've done it. I've had where, you know, I've had investors, I've had partners. Um, I go into something and, you know, the cost is upside down, the market's changed. And I'm like, hey, we've got to do something different. We got to fine tune that. We got to cut our sellers off. We got to do this. We got to do that. Um, and unfortunately things happen and then you got to start back over, but you come back stronger, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's you know, one of the several things that we t- tell folks as we're talking to them. Yeah. You can't be afraid of failure. I think that's, yeah. that's another thing where people think failure is like an end, but no, it's, you learned all this stuff. You get to basically jettison everything that isn't, isn't worth anything. Take what you have restart. And all of a sudden think about how much more wise you are now with that failure behind you than you were when you started that last company, right? Yeah, because the, the things you did before that you relied on other people to do, now you mm-hmm. know how to do it, you don't need that person anymore. Oh, yeah. If you've got to find a way of getting money or to fund something, if you know how to get your, your leasing right on your equipment, um, if you know how to do your fuel purchases correct, you know, you, you've saved yourself a lot of money and a lot of heartache. Yeah. So. Well, it's on that side, the cost side, one thing, like so many people at the beginning, just especially starting out, I feel like that's one of the easiest, well, inherently, it's one of the easiest places to fail, right? When you're just starting out a company, you're not in tune with the costs, you're, nec- you're, you're obviously going to overspend on things, mm-hmm. underspend on other important things. And I don't know the exact stats, but I'm pretty sure it's something like 50% of trucking companies fail after less than a year, I think. Less than a year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's in a lot of time it has to do with the market, right? Mm-hmm. And we've all felt, I've felt at it. I've gone into a market and, and you know, I have customers saying, Hey, I got contracts ready. I got this, I got that. You get ready to sign, you got trucks ready to launch that same day. And then all of a sudden it's a completely different story and markets yeah. can change overnight. It feels like it's changed overnight. Yeah. Um, but you've got to go into somewhere at a smaller pace. You know, people are like, Oh, I can put 10 trucks here. I can put five trucks here. No, 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 no. You can put one truck here. <laughs> one truck <laughs> yeah. that's the waters and then figure out what can be done if you need to do a leasing program if you need to get owner operators um if you need to third party it out to companies you know make your mark but keep service in mind so if you're selling your service and you're delivering on time and, and that's one thing i hear a lot is as customers go well this carrier didn't deliver on time well there, there's a lot more behind that did you are you paying the average rate or are you paying a below rate? Because if you're paying mm-hmm. a below rate, you're just one of another hundred customers. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, but if you're paying a an average rate, a rate that means that pays the operating costs, and there's a little bit of profit into it, then that carrier is going to take more more care of you. There was a guy I can't remember what his name was. It was a broker the other day that he had posted that uh, he took care of a carrier, called him, make sure they had lunch, and then pay double on demerge and this and that. I'm like, damn, where the hell were you at 15 years ago? <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's folks like that that are going to get the best service on to it. Because if, if a customer sees that a broker's taking care of a carrier, 
carrier's mm-hmm. taking care of the broker. Broker knows the carrier's taking care of the customer. You got a perfect match, right? Oh yeah. And you just and the keep thing is level going. Yeah, like people are willing to pay for it. The thing is, you talk to shippers, and transportation costs for them is minimal compared to the cost of everything else. Compared to the cost of lost manufacturing time, lost delivery time. Um, just even time spent at the loading dock, all that time, that costs more than the transportation costs. Mm-hmm. They will pay for quality service, but the thing is you have to be able to guarantee it and, you, and you're only as good as your word on that side, right? Yeah. You can't yeah. promise perfect delivery and then come out with like what? Like a, like a 75% like on time, right? That's yeah. not good, right? That's not okay. Yeah, and that's why, you know, there's a company, everybody knows them, which is CAG. I love CAG. absolutely love mm-hmm. CAG. Um, but that's one of the things we're doing for our companies as well is, is that our carriers allow customers to log in and see where their deliveries are at mm-hmm. uh, in real time. So that's given them a better, a better mindset on it. And we push that a lot, but carriers, you know, they'll, they'll switch out loads throughout the day and they're like, well, I don't want the customer to see this because then they're going to call and answer a question. No, they won't. As long as that load, is, if that load delivery is from 6 to 10 a.m. and you're somewhere in the middle, they'll leave you alone. But it's yeah. about if anything – if anything, they will leave you alone more because of it. Because I know for us, track and trace is the biggest thing. And not, mm-hmm. just, tra- not just the stuff that you want to show, but like delays, yep. things that happened, um, loading dock mistakes. Tell those to your customers and your brokers ahead of time, right? Because yep. the more early, the earlier you tell them, the less impact it'll be. It's like the thing where, like take meetings, for example, completely different thing. If you tell me you're not going to be at a meeting a week in advance, it literally does not matter because it, yep. it's so far away. You can plan for it a day away uh, starts to become like problematic. You tell mm-hmm. me 10 minutes before and it's like, well, shit, there goes an yeah. hour of my time. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, like on the fuel side is, it's a little bit different than quite a bit different than the, over the road because these fuel carriers are hauling, you know, three to six loads a day. Right. Yeah. And I repaired. So if we give them the tools to show to their customers, Hey, look up, you know, truck 7683 is assigned to circle k 7564 altaurus whatever it is mm-hmm. showing the delivery onto it that's going to stop the phone calls going on to it that's going to stop this but you're providing a service level that other people are not right so when no. that contract comes back around or that relationship comes back around that you prove yourself in the first six months or a year to ask for a rate increase is a lot better because carriers are going how do i ask for a rate increase when i really have nothing different than what i did from day one because that customer is going to say, well, why am I going to pay you more if I got the same delivery out of the other carriers, right? But now yeah, if you're going to switch. Yeah, if you're going in there and showing them, hey, I'm giving you real-time delivery. Um, I'm giving you real-time paperwork within 24 hours. BOLs are the biggest thing, right? Mm-hmm. So if we can give a BOL the moment that product is delivered, and now that that customer can invoice their exit a lot better and a lot faster, and now you come in with a market analysis and say, look, here's where we were at day one when we first mm-hmm. talked to you, customer A. This is the problems you had. Your deliveries were not on time. Your paperwork was not on time. You were mm-hmm. not able to invoice on time. So here we are six months later. Here's my report on every delivery that we've done for you that we're in the top 90, 95%. How does that compare apples to your other carrier? Second is we're giving you real-time paperwork, and I'm sure that's trimmed you back probably four or five days on getting yeah. paid. And that's more money in the bank. So you're not playing Mr. Banker and, and, and holding these invoices <laughs> these customers are going to pay you. So we've done that. Now with that amount on tour, we believe we've, that we've saved you 
or increased your profit by this amount. And now we're asking for a 10% increase on, on rates. We'd like to lock that into a contract and we'll come back in two years and reevaluate our relationship. Do you agree with that? Mm-hmm. If you bring that to a customer and they're going, damn it, they got me on my delivery. They got me on my paperwork. They know that they've helped me increase profit. They know I'm getting paid quicker and they're only asking for a 10% increase. Hell yeah, let's do it. And that's yeah. where people's you know, kind of mindset needs to get into. Yeah. And that's where technology really comes in. The thing is, in the short term, when you just talk about, hey, this is the feature. Like when you talk about, hey, now you can track your trucks. It's like, why would I want to track my trucks? That's more work for me. Um, I don't want my drivers being tracked. I don't want to track like all the trucks. Like, won't that make me look worse? And then you bring it up to like, hey, what is the actual value here that you're providing? Not just your customer, but at the end of the day, like you said, you're providing yourself. That's where you're providing the value over your competitors. And that's where, that's where like the negotiating power swings back your way. Because all yeah. of a sudden, like you said, it's not, instead of the broker or the shipper being able to say, hey, you know, what are you doing different than everyone else? If you're asking for a 10% increase, I might as well just switch to this other guy that's been calling me for three weeks. Yep. Right? Absolutely. But all of a sudden, you do what you say, and you're talking to them, and you're showing them exactly what type of ROI you're providing. It becomes, wow, shit, I'm so lucky this guy is only asking for 10%. Mm-hmm. He, could, yeah. he could be leaving me next week if somebody else is paying him better. I better, I better lock this contract down. Well, that's the thing. And then, you know, we'll have carriers that say, well, our customer doesn't give a shit and they're not going to, you know, give us a rate increase. Well, then you don't need that customer. You mm-hmm. should be shopping for another customer, right? Yes. It, it, here's the, people keep thinking about the short-term effect. It's the long-term effect. So if a customer cannot, cannot appreciate that carrier's value, when that, when that carrier brings value, that, that customer is going to treat all the other carriers the exact same way. Eventually, yeah. the customer is not going to be around. Or they're going to lose so many carriers that they go get their own trucks and start their own stuff. And you know what? You know where that usually ends up. <laughs> exactly. It, it's the same thing. It all goes back down to pick the people. It's not just your customers buying from you. It's also in a way you not buying, but you choosing your customers, right? Yeah. You can say no to customers. And that's really powerful. If they're the wrong customer, if you can't service them properly, if you if you realize they're not a fit with you, if you realize they're bad at payments, like this is all stuff you can say like, Hey, there's no fit here. I can't do this. Right. And you have to be able to say that. And you have to be, you have to be comfortable enough uh, to be able to say, Hey, I know that there's this deal on the table, but no, I'm going to say no to this and shop for something better. Yeah. And it's, and it's about you know, presenting that case. So at the end of the day, and I'll argue this with anybody unless they have a background, but brokers <laughs> not understand carriers. Carriers will not understand brokers. It's two completely different worlds. That broker mm-hmm. is dealing with a thousand phone calls a day and hoping somebody is going to give them a piece of business. Then when they get that piece of business, they, they got it off based on some rate that was in their head or some past uh, rates that they've had from other carriers. Then they're going out to the market and flooding it you know, 10 or 15 or 20 emails going, Hey, I need your rate from going from point A to point B. What is it? Mm-hmm. Right? To me, and, and I've been preaching this for, for a good 20 years and now that the technology is, I mean, hell, the trucking industry <clears throat> and even the broker industry technology is 10 years behind. I think oh, we can it is. That. Um, I've always disagreed with that. There is a much better way of doing business. And there's a little bit of that secret sauce that we could talk about, yeah. later, but there's a way of fixing that. Right. 
so <clears throat> with the brokers, when you're talking to these carriers, and, and I tell everybody this, and, and sometimes they'll tell me I'm a fool or whatever, but you know, talk to them because they're the ones with the assets. That broker is not having to pay that $2,300 a month truck payment or that $800 a month trailer payment or $3,200 a month for the insurance or, you know, that, that 20% extra on fuel cost. And for the carrier side, the same thing to the broker. Without the broker, because that's really what they're depending on for their customers, they don't understand that that broker's putting his ass out there or her ass out there for 100,000 freaking phone calls a day. Yeah. And they get something. Then all of a sudden they get something, they feel like it's a win. And then you got 20 carriers saying, oh, I'm not doing it for that rate. Right. Mm-hmm. And both sides are missing the opportunities. There's a yeah. way to form that relationship, you know? And, and I said a couple of years ago that there's too many damn carriers out there because I had my trucking company mm-hmm. and it really is. And then I see the broker inside. I'm like, hell, there's too many brokers out there. <laughs> what I should have said is, is that there's too many carriers and too many brokers doing the wrong thing. That yes. is what the true answer is. And if we could provide, especially like you, if we could provide technology that's going to help them, Right. And we're going to show that cost value from day one. And then we're going to show how to solve these problems. And that's, you know, it keeps going back to our side. And same thing with your side is we're building that network on trust and loyalty. That's, that's a hundred percent. It that's what we got to push between the brokers and the carriers. Better we just go in and ring and let them go. (laughs) The funny part is the funny part is I speak to brokers all the time. And the really good brokers, like the ones that actually grow their businesses and are successful, they, they say the same thing. It's not that they're undercharging the crap out of their carriers. It's that they have the right relationships to where they get consistent carrier business all the time. Because right. from the broker perspective, their, their biggest cost, one side of it is paying for the actual carrier, right? That's one of their costs. A whole nother cost is the cost of finding a new carrier. Like you said, you're going to, you're going to send emails. You're going to send, like, you're going to go to a load board and you're going to talk to what, like 20, 30 carriers asking them for rates. That's time. That's money that you could, that you could be spending on finding new business. And the yep. way to get rid of that cost is just by knowing a carrier and having a relationship ahead of time. Yep. Right. And you that's only cool. have that relationship. Like you said, if you understand the carrier's point of view, understand why they're concerned about rates, they're the pains that they're going through. And you have to sympathize with that and emphasize with that, right? Well, that's the thing too. And, and you know, I'm going to bust the carriers a little bit and I can because I was one of them. Uh, <laughs> one of them is that you take a broker or you take a company that's looking for trucking companies. You've got to vet that carrier as well, right? Mm-hmm. Just like a carrier tries to vet a broker in their own way um, or a broker's vetting a customer, either they're running a, a KYC packet on them or looking at the three to five year financials, whatever. But with a trucking company, you know, pull that CSA score. And we hit that mm-hmm. CSA score hard every time with a carrier. Yeah. Because that, that, that really true, truly shows what's going on internally in your company. You know, you may, you know, a lot of times I hear, oh, well, it's a 25-year-old DOT officer and he just freaking hates his one. <laughs> it's your ISS score that keeps bringing you to that weight scale. And they're going to find every damn thing that they can on there because you constantly get stopped with tires or wrong uh, um, placards on or you got a cracked windshield or you got a driver's DOT card was expired six months ago. And that's going to, that's the stuff that keeps going after onto it. So we try to tell these brokers and we've got one of them that works our system pretty well. He's mm-hmm. still trying to, to understand the carrier side and we're teaching them, but you go into a trucking company, don't look at how many trucks they have, right? Mm-hmm. Don't look on just their social media presence or no. somebody donated to a charity. Hey, that's great. 
but that's not the trucking company. The trucking company is pull that CSA score. What have they had over the past year? What have they had the past six months? You go meet with that, meet with that carrier, do a ride along. And it's surprising when I was 13 years old, my great uncle used to take us around to the terminals and he would have customers come in to do a ride along for the day mm-hmm. and he would drive the truck. And I, and I loved it. I'm sitting there in the back in the cab going, Holy crap. Here's this president and CEO driving a truck fully loaded with a customer mm-hmm. in the passenger seat. And that's the way that relationships were built. Right. Yeah. So well, they a- still are. They yeah. still are. You yeah. have to do it that way. That's the way the really great relationships are built. Nothing really replaces you going the extra mile yep. and like, and caring about your customer and caring about your carrier and so-and-so and actually like saying, Hey, you know what? I am going to do something special for you. I'm going to show you exactly like how safe our yep. transportation is. And there's only, and the best way to show that is just by taking them along. Man, I just hope you don't have a blowout going down a road. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but even then I feel like, I feel like that shows, even if a blowout happens, think yeah. about it. Like it's the way that you handle that process. Are you messy? Is this a common occurrence? Do you blame it on somebody or do you, do you own up to the issue? Go fix it, laugh about it afterwards and get on your way. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And there's been, there's been some silly ones I've seen when I was a kid with my great uncle, <laughs> but, uh, and that's what it's about. And that's, I think with the, and man, I'm gonna get in trouble for saying this, but I think with the, some of the newer generations, Mm-hmm. They they didn't live in those times, right? So they didn't see that. And, and I'm not saying there's a difference between generations or doing this or doing that, but sometimes the, and it's kind of what you said in the very beginning of this, is you're stuck in your ways, right? Mm-hmm. Stuck in your ways on certain things is not a bad thing. No. The new ideas is a good thing. Yes. But if you have a procedure that covers your cost and reduces your cost over time and increases your profit, and that's the same thing with going to see a customer. How much more value do you think, do you think you're going to get by going to see that customer? Putting them in a situation, right? Mm-hmm. Like famously, we, we would have customers back in the field days that would go, oh, trucking companies are a dime a dozen. And I used to, and I used to have this table and you would see claw marks. <laughs> I would just claw when somebody told me carriers were a dime a dozen. And, oh. and I would invite them to come down and say, look, spend two days with us. We'll put you in a hotel. Uh, we'll make sure you're taken care of. Come ride with us and see what a driver goes through. Right. And yeah. you go, especially any type of the trucking industries, I, I have full respect for, but you take a fuel guy or fuel, fuel gal. And I'll never forget. We had a lady named Luis Martinez, a lover to death. She would, she would go out and pull six, seven loads a day legally. Right. Ooh, in the act. Yeah. You put a customer with there and they're like, Hey, you got to get out of the truck. Hey, three point stand coming in. Uh, make sure you, you're pulling your hoses. Make sure you're loading correct. Make sure you're unloading correct. That customer would walk away going, first of all, they're sore as hell. Right. And yeah. Holy crap! I didn't know this, and you and you win that customer, and that's that's the thing. I mean, we can go around and around in here, but I mean, I just it's about showing that that trust, that loyalty, and following through with everything. That's the no, thing. and it's so true. It's so true, and it goes back. It goes back both ways. We always talk about how oh, if you're part of an older generation, you have to be willing to change, you have to be willing to adapt, and you have to be willing to learn, right? Yep. And people are making an effort, but if you're from a younger generation. You also have to look back and say, hey, I have to adapt to the way things, the great stuff are before. Your job is not to reinvent and change everything. Your job is to take the stuff that worked really well, get rid of the stuff that didn't work well, and advance like that slowly, iteratively each time, right? Yeah. 
And I challenge the new generation. I tell them how I tell my son all the time and my son called me stuff on technology, but I challenge the new generation is to say, look, take what you think was right that we did in our generation, mm -hmm. but make it better. Right. Show yeah. more value. As long as you're showing value, I will follow you to hell and back. And I don't oh, care yeah. if you're 20 years old. I don't care if you're 90 years old. You show true value in everything that you do. I will follow you to, do, to the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. And that's what, that's what I tell the younger generation. Cause they'll call and say, Oh, well these new Macs, you know, you get this and you get that and you get that. And I'm like, you know what? Well, there ain't nothing wrong with that four year old Mac sitting out there with 800,000. Yeah. You know, it, it's, you're not seeing the value of what we put into our business. You're mm -hmm. looking at what this brand new shiny thing is. Right. Yeah. So show me the value and I'll follow you. And yeah. It's all about the value. It's all about, and don't confuse value with features and objects and like this like the surface level stuff right yeah. the value is at the end of the day what the customer cares about uh, cares about at the end of the day what really what really inspires him to change his business and i think you put it really well earlier it is for the ceos it is how they reduce their costs mm -hmm. how they how they grow their revenues and how they take care of their employees right yeah, absolutely and, yeah. and and people fear sometimes a ceo you know, for me, I, I look up to them because a lot of them have gone from, you know, the bottom to the top and yeah. worked every job on the way up. And I have true value for people like that. Um, mm -hmm. The problem is they get complacent because of what they're being told around them. And they're, they're in this new position and then, or they could have been in the position for five years. They're surrounded by people saying, oh, you should do this or, oh, you should do that. Or you get the board members going, well, that's unacceptable. And I don't know how to fix it, but damn it, fix it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But, but with the CEOs, that's why I think it's, it's refreshing from people like you and me mm -hmm. to go to them and say, calm down, take a damn breath. Let's go grab a drink. Let's talk about this. Let's figure out the problem. You're not going to buy anything from me. I'm not going to sell you anything. I'm going to show you what you need to do. If yeah. it works and it shows a return rate onto it and you want to, and you want more then hey, come back for more, then it's going yeah. to pop. Right. Exactly. Uh, but that's, that's the, that's the catch at the end of every single day is getting that high level. Um, and that's probably where I need to help improve myself on social media. Well, it's, it's exactly the same thing. It's exactly, it's the same process, just slightly different, just slightly different. And yeah. the thing is, a, a lot of the younger generation, I guess me included, is it, it's, it's learning to do it the other way around. It's like, hey, you know how to provide value online. Now, how can you do, like, you just need to change that approach. It doesn't change. You're still providing value. You're not trying to sell anybody or trying to get anybody to convert or turn into a lead immediately, right? It's all about, hey, I'm providing this to you free of charge. I'm not asking for anything in return. But hey, if you want more, here it is. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But then you're showing them how what you're going to give them is going to, you know, pay for itself with what you're buying, yeah. either being a software program, a consulting deal, you know, whatever. Um, exactly. And and you know you're doing things right when you have companies trying to offer you jobs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's how you know it. You're doing the right book. So, uh, but man, I, I love this. I, I would love to keep doing this with you. I got to jump on another another conference call. Yeah, same. Um, like I'm looking at it but, right now. <laughs> But man, if you want to set something up every week, I'm yours. Oh, yeah. No, I can't wait for the next one.